Amen. You know, that's what the Bible says. Amen. He knows where we're at. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. Here is a good question for us this morning. The question is this. What do you do when you find the good news? What do you do when you find the good news? In our gospel account, John is writing to confirm the good news, to make clear the good news of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, he wants us to have it. He wants us to be sure of it. He wants us to be confident in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, here's the question in the middle of that. What do we do? What should we do when we know this is the good news? Well, today we're going to see that answer lived out in the first account of the disciples in John's gospel. Our message today is entitled, So What's Next? So What's Next? We're in John chapter 1, today verses 35 through 51, a big chunk of verses. John chapter 1, today verses 35 through 51. So what's next? I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. John chapter 1, beginning in the 35th verse. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas which is translated Peter. The next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. 
We're thankful for our Savior, Jesus. We're thankful for, again, hope that we have on this day. We're thankful for peace that is, that is settled and fixed in you. We're thankful, Lord, that you care about us and you see us today, that your eyes on us today. Lord, I pray that we are pleasing in your sight. I pray that this morning as we have gathered that you are known, that you are worshiped, that your name is held high. Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word, I pray, Lord, that you would speak. And I, and I come really in a sense of awe and a sense of expectation, knowing that the, the word of God, your word, is living and it's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword and that you have a message for us today that you're going to speak to us today. And so, Lord, we ask, Lord, that we would be ready, that our minds, our ears, our hearts would be open. And I pray that you would speak. And I pray that it would bear supernatural fruit to the glory of our Savior, Jesus. I pray for one and perhaps some that are listening today that do not know you. I, I pray in the hearing of the good news of our hope, Jesus, that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, we come and we confess openly. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Before we begin today, I, I want you to think about this question. And I want you to evaluate your life where you sit today. Now, sometimes we think, well, that was a great message. I, I hope somebody else was listening, or I know who that applies to, and I, and I hope their ears were open. Today, I want you to sit, and I want you to think, and I want you to seriously evaluate your life today. I want you to consider and I want you to evaluate. Here's the question. What have you done with the good news? What have you done with the gospel? I'm talking to each of us. What have you done with the gospel? And let me just tell you, I don't think we think like that. I think we rarely slow down long enough to think like that. We say, well, here's the good news. Checked off. I have it. Well, I'm going to heaven, eternal life. Checked off. I have that. But I want you to think about the question, what have you done with the good news? All right, we've got a lot of verses to cover. Let's go quickly to our verses, beginning in verse 35. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. The, the account moves along here in the gospel. Really, now it starts to have this drumbeat of this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And really, the, the story starts to progress in that manner. Remember, uh, there was a day, one day, day one, that a delegation goes out to John the Baptist. And they ask him, who are you? There's been a stir, there's been a commotion, and they go and they ask him, who are you? He says, I'm not Elijah, I'm not the prophet, and I am not for sure the Christ. I am not the Messiah. He tells them very plainly, I am the forerunner prophesied in Scripture. I'm the one that will prepare the way for the Messiah, our Savior, Jesus. That was one day. Well, the Bible says the next day, that John the testifier, John the Baptist, is again preaching repentance and baptizing a baptism of repentance, and a large crowd has gathered there. Now, they have left Jerusalem, they have left Judea, the entire area, and a large crowd has gone out to John the Baptist there. 
Remember on that hill, as Jesus tops the hill, John makes the greatest introduction ever. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That was the second day. Well, now the account moves on and it is again the next day. Let me read verse 35 again. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. John the Baptist, John the testifier, is standing with two of his followers. That's what the verse tells us. We know that those two followers are John, the apostle, the author of our gospel. Uh, He never names himself in this gospel. I think that is in great humility. He knows he's not the gospel. He's the reporter of it. And so we know one of those two guys was John the apostle, and the other is Andrew. Now, we're going to see that in just a moment. Now, I want you to think about that. If these two were disciples of John the Baptist, and he was preaching a message of repentance, it would mean that they knew their sin. They knew the consequence, the cost of their sin. It also knew that they were looking for the Messiah. If John the Baptist, John the Testifier, is the forerunner, and they are serving in his mission, then naturally they would believe that the Messiah would be soon to follow. And that would be the natural understanding. If he is making the way for the Messiah, then as we serve his cause, then coming very shortly behind him would be the Messiah. And so these two people, these two men are looking for the Messiah and evidently they have hearts to prepare people for the Messiah. All right, verse 36. And he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. For the second time, John the testifier has identified Jesus. He is walking, he is passing by, and he says, Behold, again it means look, behold, see the Lamb of God. Now I want to point out this this point. I want to make this point this morning. Yesterday we saw Jesus is the remedy for sin. That was yesterday's message. Jesus is the remedy for sin. But I want you to be very sure and see this today. Jesus is God's remedy for sin. You see, in the past, as we were, as we were studying yesterday, the sinner would secure a lamb, and it would be their lamb, and they would provide the lamb. Well, understand, this says this is the lamb of God. This is God's lamb provided by God. Now listen, that is a huge part of our gospel. Our salvation is from God. Our Savior is of God. We do not earn it. We do not secure it. We have no part in providing it. So the lamb is the remedy for sin. And see here, it is the lamb of God. Now, when I think about that, it reminds me all the way back into the account in Genesis where Abraham is instructed to take his son and to sacrifice his son Isaac. And remember the account as they travel along, they secure the things, they get all the things, and in obedience, unimaginable obedience, they're making their way. And as they make the way, Isaac looks around and he sees the altar, he sees the wood. And remember his question, he says, Where's the sacrifice? He's walking with his dad and he starts to look around and he starts to put it together. Where is the lamb? 
In Genesis chapter 22, verse 8, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two then walked on together. Listen very carefully. Here's a great truth of our gospel. God provides the remedy for sin. God provides the lamb. It's not dependent upon us. We can't do it. And praise the Lord, God gives sins the lamb. Verse 36, John says, behold the lamb of God. All right, verse 37. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Now these two, John and Andrew, they hear the declaration of John the Baptist, John the testifier, behold the Lamb of God. And, and, the, and the response is, it says, they followed Jesus. Now I think this is pretty great. Notice here, they didn't wait to be asked. Did you notice that? They didn't wait to be asked. They didn't have a debate. They didn't want to discuss it. They are following John and they're looking for the Messiah. And John says, this is the Messiah. And I don't even know if they tell him goodbye. It says they followed Jesus. Simple as that. This is the Messiah. They followed Jesus. Verse 38. <laughs> and Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? I think it's interesting. Anytime Jesus asks a question, he already knows the answer. And so he's not asking for himself. Did you ever think about that? He knows all things. And so when he asks him a question, he already knows the answer. He's not asking the question that he might gain new information. And so he is asking for them. He wants them to consider, what is it that you're seeking? What do you seek? Now, notice their answer dodges the question. They respond back with a, with a question, where are you staying? What is it that you seek? Where are you staying? They answer with a question. Verse 39. He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was late. It was about the 10th hour. Now, this is crazy. This verse 39 is, is, a, is, a, is a ridiculous verse. It's a crazy verse. What an awesome invitation. And really, they don't understand the depths of it. it what an unimaginable invitation. God himself, the creator himself, the, the Messiah, the Christ himself, says to these guys, come and you will see. This isn't some ordinary event. God himself, the creator himself, the Messiah, come to save men, says to these two normal guys, come and you will see. Oh, man, will they? Oh, the things that they will see. At the Lord's invitation, they will have a front row seat to the greatest event in all of history. They can't imagine that at the Lord's invitation. They're going to see the salvation of man. They're going to see the glory of God. And they're going to see the grace of both. And they're going to see those things collide in the days of human history. They're going to see the Messiah proclaimed. They're going to see the Lamb sacrificed. They're going to see the victor declared. They're going to see the king stand in majesty. And they're going to see it with their very own eyes. Oh, come and see. 
Friends, these words are the result. <laughs> Don't miss that. These words are the result of that. This is what John saw. He invites John, come and see. And this gospel, this account is the result. We see as well because John saw. Come and see. Come and see. Verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Sometimes life has a way of making you so-and-so's brother. You ever notice that? There's some folks that I don't care what they do. I don't care what they do. They're so-and-so's brother. Do you know them? That's so-and-so's brother. Andrew can't win. Simon Peter's not even in the book yet. And yet he's known as Simon Peter's brother. He can't win. All right, verse 41. He found first his own brother. Oh, man. He found first. That means there's others. He found first his own brother, Simon. Woo. And he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. Andrew doesn't do anything else first. He doesn't get sidetracked. He doesn't get distracted. He doesn't say, I got some things to finish up. I got a full calendar and I need to get that squared away. It says he found his brother first and he says to him, we have found the Messiah. Best news that's ever been told. We have found the Messiah. I hope, listen, brother, we have found him. The one that was promised, brother, we have found him. Our savior, our hope for us as sinners, we have found him. <clears throat> it says, we have found the Messiah. Now, I read that several times back and forth slowly. I don't know if he's telling Peter, John and I, we found the Messiah. I don't know if he's telling Peter, good news, we've, you and I have found the Messiah. But either way, he finds him and says, we have found the Messiah. Let me tell you something today. Listen very carefully. The greatest thing that can be said of any person is that they found the Messiah. Oh, they built a big business. Oh, they built an empire. They played in four Super Bowls. They did this and they did that. The greatest thing that can be said of any person is they have found the Messiah. Do you hear the good news? Do you, do you receive that today? Listen to me, church. Good news, church. We have found the Messiah. We have found the Messiah. We're not looking. We have found the Messiah. Best thing that could ever be said. Verse 42. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John, Barjona. You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. God has a strange habit, and we see it here. He changes people's names. You are Simon. It's a good name. You're Simon. It means one that would hear. You're Simon, the name your dad gave you but you shall be called Peter. Now, isn't, that a, isn't that a weird thing to do? That's kind of a weird thing to do. What if, what if you came and said, hey, this is Bob, and I want to introduce you to Bob, and this is Bob. And I said, hey, Bob, your name's Bill. 
That's basically what's happened. Hey, Bob, I know that's the name you have. Your name's Bill. Glad to meet you, Bill. Do you know in that culture, your name represented you? Your name represented the totality, the totalness of who you are. Even more so then than now, you were known by your name. You were understood. You were revealed by your name. Well, listen, doesn't it make sense that if you are new in Christ, and that's what the Bible says, that it would only be fitting that a new person, forgiven of their sin, new to the family of God, standing in the righteousness of Jesus, wouldn't it only be fitting that they would have a new name? Do you know in the book of Revelation, it says when we get to heaven, we will be given a white stone. Here's what the Bible says. And on that white stone, we will be given a new name. Listen, gone is our past. Gone is our sin. Gone is every single stain of that sin. And we are given a new name in glory. Your name will now be Peter, verse 43. The next day he purposed to go into Galilee. And he found Philip, and Jesus said to him, follow me. Verse 44, now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Now, what the verse is saying here is he is deliberate, he's intentionally goes to Galilee, and there he finds Philip, and there's really no discourse, no discussion there. He says two words to Philip, follow me. He goes, he's deliberate. The word is follow me, verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. That is a profound statement. We have found the fulfillment of prophecy. We have found the fulfillment of scripture. Nathaniel, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, and it's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. See the pattern here. Philip finds Nathaniel. He says, this is the one. Again, it's very specific. Notice that it keeps making sure we know which Jesus it's speaking of. It's the one from Nazareth. It's the one that comes from the, from the home of Joseph. It is this Jesus. Verse 46, Nathanael said to him, ha, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Nathanael was either a skeptic or he had a great disdain for Nazareth. I don't know which. It may have been both those things. He's either a skeptic or he has a great disdain for Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I don't know. Maybe their basketball team kept losing to Nazareth. I don't know. He can't stand him. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip says this, come and see. Come and see. I want to take a sidestep right here. Come and see. Here's what I believe. I, I believe that if you'll see Jesus, you'll love him. That's what I believe. I believe if you'll see Jesus, you'll love him. 
And if you don't love him, it's because maybe you haven't seen him. And I, and I, I think that. I think if you, if you see Jesus, you'll want to follow him. If you, have, if you have Jesus and you know Jesus, you'll be overcome with joy. And evidently, that's what Philip said too. He didn't say, let me get out the theological books. Let's go find some folks and break this down. He said, if you'll come and see, you will know. Listen, I think if you'll see Jesus, you're going to love Jesus. That's what I think. Verse 47. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael takes a shot at him, and yet he turns around and brags on Nathanael. And I know nothing good's come out of Nazareth. Hey, an Israelite indeed, a, a trustworthy man, as he sees him approach. Verse 48. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. He tells him evidently something that was improbable to know that he wouldn't have known otherwise. And he tells him, I saw you under that tree, verse 49. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Wow, what a fast turnaround. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Oh, how Nathaniel changed his tune, how fast that happened. In fact, the only good thing, the only one that is good, the Son of God, the Christ, the King of Israel. That's what he says, the King of Israel, the Son of God. Verse 50, Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. Verse 51, and he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, verse 51 is a deep verse. It's probably a reference to Jacob's dream in the Old Testament, Jacob's ladder. And Jesus is using that to, to reveal to him the magnitude of who he is. Uh, he, he uses the name the Son of Man. That is a, a very uh, deep title, the Son of Man. It is Emmanuel, the Son of Man. That is the, the kinsman redeemer. The, the Son of Man, that's the one that can and will save men because he's like them, the, the son of man. That means he's able to suffer and to die in the flesh for the payment for sin. That's the son of man. But in the end, it's also the son of man in Daniel, the ancient of days, the one that will reign and rule. And so Jesus refers to himself with this grand title, the son of man. I want to go back now to our original question, our question of evaluation. What have you done with the good news? That's my question. What have you done with the good news? Today we're going to see four things of what you would do, what you should do when you receive the good news. Four things, uh, proper responses of when you see, when you actually find the good news. And I want you to listen very carefully. Four things. When you find the good news, here's the first thing. You follow Jesus. 
When you find the good news, you follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. Listen, have you ever trusted Jesus for your salvation? It's the most important thing. Listen, it's not good news to you until you receive it in faith. And when confronted with the truth, this is the good news. We have found the Messiah. Andrew and John and James and Philip and Nathaniel, they trusted Jesus so much so that they leave their life behind and they follow Jesus. The first thing you do when you find good news, listen, you follow Jesus. Let me tell you something. You can follow Jesus today. <laughs> you can follow, wait a minute, do I have to do something? You can follow Jesus today. He loves you. He has made a way for you. He's paid for your sins on the cross of Calvary. You can follow Jesus today. In fact, he calls you to. You see how awesome that is? Do you know my past? Do you know the heavy things I bring? You can follow Jesus today. Here's the second thing. And I love this one. When you find good news, you can praise Jesus. When you find good news, you can praise Jesus. Listen very carefully. If you know who he is, and if you truly know who he is, and if you know who you are in him, and if you know what you have through him, and if you see him, and you see the depth of who he is, and you see the, the, the depth of what he has done, you must praise Jesus. I think if you'll see that, you will praise Jesus. And my, one of my favorite things of the verses today is here is Nathaniel, and he is a skeptic. He answers in mockery. He answers in scorn, and he ends not that long away in radical praise. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the King of Israel. But listen, that is his list. Let me ask you this morning, what is your list? What do you say about Jesus if somebody said, tell me about Jesus, would you say he's my Lord, he's my hope, he's my help, he's my rock, he's my strength, he's my peace, he's my joy, would you say he's my friend, would you say he's my savior, he's my king, what is your list, that's his list. Would you say he's my redeemer when I couldn't redeem myself? He's the truth when all I could hear was a lie. Would you say he's my strong tower and when the world was falling apart, I ran there. Would you say he is the light of the world that shines in the darkness and is not overcome? What would you say of Jesus? <laughs> Friends, listen, when we find good news, we ought to rejoice. We ought to be filled with joy. The psalmist talks about the joy of our salvation. That is an actual thing. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Let me say something serious. If you have trouble praising Jesus, and man, there's some that do. If where you're at in your life today, you're having trouble praising Jesus, it's either because you've quit looking at Jesus and you need to put your eyes back on him, or maybe it's because you don't know him. And I'll just tell you, if you know him, you'll rejoice and you'll be filled with joy. And yes, there'll be hard days. 
And there'll be days you don't understand. But if the joy of the Lord is not there, a bunch of us probably need to put our eyes back on Jesus, the hope that stands. And some of us need to meet him for the first time. What do you do when you find good news? You follow Jesus. You praise Jesus. Now, here's the next one. You bring others to Jesus. You bring others to Jesus. Notice, I think that's the fun thing about our verses today. You read across that, and I think that's the fun thing about our verses. Andrew hears, you know what he can't do? He can't do anything else. He goes and gets his brother. He loves his brother, and he knows his brother needs a savior. He goes and gets his brother. And Philip comes, he says, follow me. He follows him, and he goes and gets his friend. I don't know what their relationship was. He goes and gets his friend, Nathaniel. And listen, it says that'll be the first. That means there'll be a second and there'll be another. That is the pattern of their life after this. They get another and they get another and they tell another and they tell another. Listen, if you have good news, you tell that good news. I don't care what the good news is. That is what you do. Here's the question today. Are you bringing others to Jesus? Are you? Because if you're not, either you've quit looking at Jesus Or maybe you've missed your assignment from Jesus. What are you doing with the gospel? What do you do when you find good news? You go, I got a cousin, I got a brother, I got a neighbor, I know a stranger. And they're they're perishing, they're looking, and you tell others about Jesus. You bring them to Jesus. That is what you do. One day this week, I don't know, these days are all starting to run together. One of the sermons this week, I I said the saddest thing ever is for the people around us to have a Savior and never hear about it. Oh, my lands. The saddest thing ever for the people around us that we eat with and work with and do business with and travel through life with, the saddest thing ever is that they had a Savior and they never heard of that Savior. Man, if you have good news, you tell others about it. Last thing. What have you done with the good news? Follow Jesus, praise Jesus, bring others to Jesus. Here's the last thing. And it's a mindset, and and it's important that we see it today, this ninth day in. It's a a mindset. It's important that we see it in the days that we're living in, this, this, this day of bad news. Here's the last thing. When you find good news, you expect great things. And that's what I I get out of these verses. When you find good news, and I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel where you're going to get new cars and all that sorts of stuff. I'm talking about the things that are great for the glory of Christ. Do you expect great things? Listen to me. Do you, are you expecting great things? Or has that been so stomped out of you? You can't think about that anymore. You've gone through the hardships of life and you've gotten so far from your salvation experience that that's been crushed out of you. Do you still expect great things? Did you think this could be the greatest day ever and I'm not going to miss it? Did you think this hundred days we might see a revival that turns our world upside down? Or did you say, nobody does that anymore? Listen to me today. The good news is still good news. And the light still shines in the darkness. And Jesus is still willing to forgive. And God's grace today has not run out. And the gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. And God is still compassionate to sinners still sending his word. We should expect great things as his people. 
Do you? If you find the good news, what do you do with it? What have you done with the gospel? Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. I'm thankful for these verses today. I'm thankful for this message. Thankful that we know we have good news. That you're building the case for it and it just keeps adding up and stacking up. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the good news. Lord, I pray as we, as we have responded in faith to the good news, I pray, Lord, we'd follow you. I pray we'd praise you. I pray in these days, these last days, we'd be diligent, careful to tell others about you. And I pray, Lord, that we couldn't help ourselves, but we'd expect great things. What a mighty God we serve. And he's alive, you're alive, and you're active, Lord. Help us to expect great things. Lord, I, I pray that we've been encouraged. I pray as we leave here that we're continuing to, to think about this and grow in this truth. Lord, I, as, as we come to this conclusion of our service, I, I pray if there's somebody here that hasn't trusted you the first step, I pray that today, this very day, they can understand they can follow Jesus today. No more steps necessary. They know, they hear, now they trust and they believe they can follow Jesus today. Lord, I, I pray that you've been known, that you've been glorified. I pray now that you would move. We give you this message. We give you this time. We give you this time of invitation. We pray that you be glorified in it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close this service with a time of response, a time to, to respond to the truth of God's word. And I want to tell you, the, the first thing is this. If you have heard good news, the first step is this, follow Jesus. You can think, you know what, I'm tough enough. I don't need that. I'm smart enough. I don't need that superstition. The first step is to follow. Trust Jesus as your Lord. Trust Jesus for your salvation. Turn to Jesus he will forgive. He will restore. He will make new. If you've never trusted Jesus, I want to encourage you, do that today. Settle that today. If you're sitting there and saying, I don't, I don't really know what that means exactly, you come, let's talk that through. Settle that today. Turn to Jesus. For those of us here that are believers, let us rejoice in that. Let us be glad in that. Let it change our perspectives. Let us quit going around like a, a, a downtrodden person beaten down and say, you know what, my God's still alive and I expect folks to get saved. I expect his word to go out and not come back empty. And in the midst of that, in that, in that mindset, let us tell others about Jesus. Let us invite somebody to these services. Let us go next across the street and, and tell them there is hope and we found the Messiah and you need to find him as well. We're going to close this with a time of invitation. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ and you'd like to, if you're here and you're, you're trusting Christ in this hour, in this moment, you come. We'll talk. We'll announce it to the church. I'd encourage you to settle that today. If you're here and, and you've made that decision but you never fought in believers' baptism, you come as this one did, and it'll be a great testimony to our Savior, Jesus. It'll be a great day of celebration. If you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here, you come as well. And together we'll stand on his word, walking as a family, proclaiming his goodness, his kindness until he comes again. Maybe you want to come and pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe there's something going on we don't even know what it is. And the Bible says, you know what, it's, it's not too big for God, not too small for God. You come and let's take it to him in prayer. Maybe you want to pray at this time of invitation for these hundred days. What might God do in these hundred days? 
As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, if you have a decision to make, you step out, you come on, I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here.